ESCOM's debt, the social income grant, the ballooning public sector wage bill. The finance minister will be walking the proverbial tightrope as he balances competing priorities in medium-term budget policy statement. This is a special edition of No Ordinary Wednesday, an in-depth look at the events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. As always, a very warm welcome. I'm Jeremy Max. It's hard to imagine a tougher economic environment as to the backdrop that the finance minister Enoch Godongwana has to his midterm budget. The questions abound. With unions turning up the heat, can the minister keep the public sector wage bill in check? Can we afford to extend the social relief grant? And with inflation tipping millions into poverty, can we afford not to? And is there any solution on the cards to ESCOM's debt crisis? Apart from the Minister of Finance and his department, there are few people in the country better versed in these issues than my guest today. Welcome back to Investec Chief Economist Annabel Bishop. Annabel, welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. Annabel, so many points to touch on, but to start, in broad terms, what should be watching out for in the mini or the midterm budget? Yes. Hi, Jeremy. Look, I think what's always key is our government finances health. And those metrics are really quite key for the credit rating agencies, but also for the fact that the um, general health and longevity of government's finances and, of course, for the bond market as well. The key point really is that we have obviously seen a fiscal deficit estimated about 5.7% for last year and 6% for this year. So I think it'll be very key to see how much government gets that down and, of course, obviously looking at the debt metrics as well. That said, we're also going to be looking looking out for any communication on ESCOM, particularly government taking on to the balance sheet has been much anticipated. Also other parastatal assistance as well financially. And then, of course, obviously seeing, you know, what what is happening on the revenue front and indeed even on the tax front as well, along with expenditure. So, Annabel, we're about uh, two minutes into the podcast. And of course, we went straight to ESCOM, didn't we? So let's talk about that. We have been talking in the past about ESCOM's debt restructuring. What might the minister say? What should he say? And if there is restructuring, what would it look like? I certainly think that they should look at taking Eskom's debt onto South African government's balance sheet. I think that's really key, Jeremy. The reason why I say it is that our credit rating agencies already rate South Africa's government debt as if it includes Eskom's debt. And by doing so, they'd have to be extremely strict controls to disallow Eskom from ballooning debt once again. And of course, as well, I would actually think there should be much more national treasury involvement in um, Eskom's finances, particularly on the borrowing side, and obviously a much clearer track in terms of expenditure. You know, the bottom line really here, and of course, you've, we've obviously seen it in the news as well, is the enormous amount of theft, corruption, um, as well as obviously theft of infrastructure and, of course, um, vandalism and all of those factors which really damage ESCOM along with uh, difficult government regulations in terms of importing parts, just the repair and maintenance of the stations. I think that we actually need to see much greater involvement from National Treasury and ESCOM's finances. ESCOM's just too large. It just can't actually cover every Thing. It doesn't have the capability, as we know, that it had 20, 30 years ago. And of course, you know, the bottom line is that it is just not making enough either financially. Eskim themselves talking about very substantial increases, the electricity tariff, and of course, you know, bringing it up to what electricity costs to generate. 
but also, of course, as well, you know, compared to it internationally. Talking about the generation cost of electricity, Eskim also includes the new build, includes the infrastructure cost as well there. And of course, you know, doing so because Eskim has been building infrastructure in South Africa. This is not really the norm for power stations. You know, around the world, you actually see a private sector providing power onto the grid. Eskim urgently needs to move to this model. And, you know, that's obviously why we hear about the devolving into three separate companies, you know, whether it's transmission, production, and of course, you know, just really getting the private sector involved in the production side. Certainly from a transmission side, you know, there's also need for repairs and maintenance there as well. And just in general, you know, trying to simplify ESKIM, but also, of course, as well, improving its finances. And that's all well and good. The screaming emergency is that the economy is not performing. While we obviously find ourselves without sufficient electricity, as well as, you know, water and um, transit capacity as well, many factors which go into building a healthy economy. So, you know, we do need a lot more assistance. We need a quickening in terms of the build infrastructure on the renewable side. You know, if we'd seen the renewable energy windows one and two go ahead, we obviously wouldn't find ourselves in the load shedding situation we're in now. It's actually a very deep, complex problem, as you know, Jeremy. So, Annabel, we saw Germany last week pledging further financial assistance to assist South Africa's transition to green energy, all well and good. This comes after significant similar commitments at COP26 last year. The question, I guess, is are these pledges significant in the context of ESCOM's 400 billion rand or just a drop in the ocean? Climate change pledges from advanced economies, essentially wealthy nations, are extremely important for both developing economies and, of course, countries that are underdeveloped as well. The bottom line that we really find is that all countries around the world are going to have to commit to changes in their energy production and usage in order to lower the negative effects of climate change on the world. The debt of ESKIM the um, 400 billion is obviously largely debt from coal build power stations. It's really got nothing to do with the climate change pledges. That's a separate area. However, what is important is that these pledges are purposed in order to allow or to aid South Africa in transitioning away from coal-fired power to renewable energy. As a consequence of this, it is vitally important that South Africa does follow that path. South Africa, of course, has been heavily utilising coal in order to generate electricity. And of course, our minister, Gwede Mintashe, who looks at both minerals and energy in his portfolio, has essentially been focusing quite heavily on fossil fuels. However, South Africa risks becoming an outlier globally in 10 to 20 years' time if our manufacturing, mining production, all aspects of our economy run on fossil fuel energy generated instead of, of course, a renewable energy generation. And that will then have a negative impact potentially on our exportability. In fact, already South Africa's largest export is coal. And of course, that goes to Europe. But Europe themselves looking to very rapidly transition away from fossil fuel usage in their energy generation. And instead, South Africa also needs to follow a just energy transition. It needs to be careful that it does not become a country that's excluded from the main global trade flows. And as a consequence, these pledges are vitally important for South Africa, but they would not be aimed in terms of reducing uh, ESKIM's debt. Instead, they would actually be looking to be used for new build in the clean energy space. 
You referenced other SOEs a little earlier on in our conversation. What can we expect? You know, in the past, we've had a fairly hard line, and this really came through under Tito Mbaweni, that the SOEs need to become self-funding. They cannot rely on government for continued bailouts. Interestingly, um, you know, this has been the approach taken towards ESKIM as well, and we think that will continue, but Transnet has recently indicated that it would be looking for significant assistance from government on an ongoing basis. And I'm not sure if that's really going to be um, something that's accepted by the state. All the SOEs need to become self-financing. They need to essentially be run like companies. I don't think they can expect to survive permanently on uh, government bailouts. And of course, you know, given all the huge problems in Transnet as well, it's certainly something that might have to be unpacked and streamlined as the hopes are that ESKIM will be. Now, let me shift the conversation to another big focus, the income grant proposal. How feasible is it? And obviously, what will the tax implications be? South Africa's social relief distress grant has been extended a number of times. And of course, there have been multiple crises that we've faced over the past couple of years. In order for it to become permanent, however, I think government's probably been doing quite a bit of work on it behind the scenes. I know there's been some commentary coming out as well, looking at the World Bank um, suggestions. Certainly in there, we've seen that it should be something that is given to people to aid them to seek work, as opposed to something which is just a flat handout. Of course, we're now talking about social welfare payments to healthy adults who are able to work, but of course are unemployed. The point really is that South Africa still has vulnerable government finances. They are not repaired. Our debt levels are not back at where they were in the 2000s, certainly. In fact, our government debt is quite high, around the 70% ratio to GDP. That's something which, however, is not the stabilized point. The forecast raises up towards 80%. This is not really sustainable for an emerging market. Financial markets in particular will be looking for a stabilization of government debt projections in particular and obviously bringing it back down below the 60% mark towards a 50% mark. And of course, even lower than that would be very, very positive for South Africa's financial markets and of course as well for the sustainability of government finances. We do find ourselves in a difficult situation where the economy continues to earn much less than is needed in terms of tax generation and partly that is because of the poor performance of Transnet, as well as Eskom, as we've talked through, and of course, other shortages, uh, such as water shedding. And of course, we also find ourselves in the crosshairs of the slowdown of the global economy. That puts ourselves in a situation where we could see weaker growth in South Africa as well. In fact, this year, we've already seen that our trade balance is at a much lower point than it was last year for the first eight months. And our terms of trade have collapsed as well, which has led to the depreciation of the exchange rate. Of course, as we move through the course of next year, and once we pass the weak point in the global economy, we start to see recovery as anticipated towards the end of 2023 and certainly over 2024. South Africa would need to put in place a much better governance system, a much better inaction of policies. And one of the key points really is to remove this high level of theft, crime and corruption, which is obviously leaching the money out of our state-owned entities, not allowing them to perform at the level the economy needs in order to have a strong, robust and vibrant economy that provides jobs for everyone who's looking for them, as well as provides sufficient revenue to improve our social welfare and also, of course, infrastructure investment as well. We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Very quickly, I would like to remind you that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please take a moment to rate us. 
Annabel, let's move on to a different issue now. Added to this fiscal strain is the public sector wage bill. Unions are turning up the heat. Can we afford increases and what will this mean for the fiscus? I think government's been quite careful to hold the line on salary and wage increases. That We do find ourselves in a difficult situation where, of course, companies like Eskom can hold the country to ransom by going on large unprotected strikes and, in fact, lengthy unprotected strikes would actually have the impact of pushing our economy back into a recession. This is an extremely large-scale strike, the Transnet strike, and of course we have a huge number of blockages already at the ports. The government finances will suffer enormously because of this. That in turn will reduce government's ability to pay salary and wages increases, and of course it creates a negative downward cycle. It's very sad that we are having this type of damage on an economy which is struggling as it is. The offer made by Transnet versus the demands, um, offer seemed very low at 3%. Of course, Transnet ups it, and the unions do bring it down, and they're looking to settle around 7.5%. The current inflation rate, I think this is something which is probably going to have to happen to end the strike, but unfortunately, Transnet does not seem to have had much success in dealing with its labour issues. Now let's move on to revenue, if we can, Annabelle. Are we heading deeper into budget deficit territory? And what are the chances of a trade surplus lending a hand as it did last year? I think the good news is that we actually think that the government fiscal ratios will see some improvement from the previous forecast. The fiscal deficit was expected at 5.7% for the past fiscal year, 2021-22. We think it's going to come in closer to 5.5%. And of course, as well this year, the fiscal deficit at 6% is the one that's going to be looked at very carefully. We think it's probably also going to come in closer in estimates to 5.5, but I think probably around about perhaps 5.7. The difficulty is that we haven't had the full fiscal year yet for 2022-23. That only ends in March 23. And of course, you know, we obviously are facing the negative impact of the transnet strike, higher load shedding, and other um, factors such as these, which result in poor performance from the state-owned entities, the slowdown in the global economy, expectations for your recession. All of these will hit us in this current fiscal year. So I think it'll be difficult to see a lower deficit. But on the following years, the, the fiscal deficit is expected to drop to 48 then 4.2, indicating some fiscal consolidation occurring. And of course, that would be a positive outcome if government actually lowers its projections as well, both on the fiscal debt and deficit sides. And of course, we can't have this conversation without discussing the country's debt. Where do you see debt trajectory in the medium to long term? Expectations for government debt essentially are not going to change much for the past fiscal year. For the current fiscal year of 72.8, interestingly, we haven't yet hit the really volatile period for the economies. We've certainly been through that for global financial markets, and they anticipate that ahead of time. But Jeremy, you know, for actual economies themselves, we haven't yet fallen into a recession. The anticipation is that the US could see a mild one in the fourth quarter of this year, first quarter of next year. This will harm South Africa's growth. And of course, as well, we've also seen borrowing costs rise substantially. The cost of capital has gone up quite a bit, both because of the higher interest rate environment and higher inflation environments, but also, of course, as well, due to the elevation of risk aversion. We've seen a lot of sell-off of foreigners from South Africa's government debt, from emerging market debt in general, certainly since April this year. And, you know, the risk really is that we don't see much change from our debt projection for the current fiscal year. For 2023-24 and out, they certainly have in this medium-term expenditure framework for those two years got the debt running around 75%. The difficulty there is going to be how strongly does South Africa grow and of course how much does government give away in terms of its tax 
revenue too, higher salaries and wages, which of course is its biggest expenditure item. And that of course is a key concern because that will really determine the ability for South Africa to moderate its debt and obviously bring down its projections. And finally, what about fiscal stimulus? What can we expect, Annabel, from the minister? I don't think we'll see very much on a fiscal stimulus perspective. It's a bit sad because really, you know, we would um, be comparing ourselves to other countries. You know, certainly we see um, in Europe and the UK, there's limits on energy bills, there's caps. Um, We're certainly seeing assistance coming through from the government on that side. South Africa needs growth stimulation, but that really needs to come through from government policy perspective. We need to see a strong removal of the stranglehold of the regulatory burden on private sector companies. And of course, as well, you know, we really need to find ourselves in a situation where it's much easier to do business. This is something that many in government tend to ignore. We also, of course, need to get through the ANC elective conference at the end of this year and, of course, the election as well in 2024. All of these are disruptive factors. We tend to get a lot of policy discussion and, of course, as well, commentary coming through, particularly from left-leaning, if not far left-leaning political members. It tends to disrail the discussion and the implementation of policies which need to go ahead to strengthen South Africa's economy and growth. And, of course, as a consequence of that, it does then not really deliver the strong economic environment that we need. So we do think that if government manages to quicken its pace on the renewable energy front um, in terms of allowing a quick investment in terms of all the areas that it has talked about, whether it's private sector partnerships on the rail systems and, of course, at the ports and in other areas as well. The government needs help on in terms of service delivery. We could look forward to a strong economic outlook that would, of course, also as well strengthen our um, projections for government finances. But at the moment, I think we might find ourselves in a situation where the worst has not yet come from an economic recession perspective globally and, of course, the risks that that brings us domestically. So we need to get through that hump and, of course, into certainly the second half of 2023, which is expected to provide better economic fairing for government finances around the world. The voice there of Annabel Bishop, Investec's chief economist. Thank you for joining us on No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again on the 26th of October as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, goodbye from me, Jeremy Maggs, and the entire Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.